This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, if you haven't heard of Geekscape, and we're going to be talking movies, video games, comic books, television, any of that pop culture creative stuff. I'm sitting here in downtown LA, not in the uh, Westwood One Studios because it's Labor Day and the Westwood One Studios are closed on the Mondays that I record my show. Uh, so I'm recording here with my buddy Tanush, and uh, he's a filmmaker that we I've known for, Tanush, I think it's close to 20 years now. Long time. It's definitely it's like sixteen years that we've known yeah. each other, and we are here in his. What do you? How your your downtown L.A. apartment creative studio, and um, I looked up at Comic Con a few years ago, and Tanuj had was like in front of the Geekscape booth, and I was like, "What? What are you doing here?" That's right. And I had kept up with Tanuj because. He's very active. He's making a ton of films. Um, huge on the indie scene. I'm just going to throw that at you. You are huge on the indie scene. Uh, he came out of the gate. I remember like we all kind of graduated around 2005, 2006. And you came out of the gate within a year or two and had a movie at Sundance. And then you kind of didn't like let up on the pressure. Like You just keep making movies. I'm here in your creative loft apartment. And you're, I'm, you're editing a movie I never even knew you were making. That you shot a few months ago. And Geeks gave us the, the reason I reached out to Tanuj was he's got two movies out this month. And, uh, and I, when I saw that fact that you had not only two movies out this month, but two movies uh, with a diverse cast. That's right. I was like, nope, got to get you on the show now. Because what you told me that day a few years ago in front of the Geekscape booth at Comic-Con was that you secretly had been listening to Geekscape. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. So as much as I've been keeping up with your film career, you've been keeping up with my talking career. That's and uh, that's crazy. That's right. No, I mean, th- there was a lot of nights. I remember um, between New York when we were together, living together, or living in the same city. Yeah, we were in film and, school. And before I came to L.A., I was living, you know, kind of in the Bay Area. 
uh, my parents' house at home, kind of like figuring out the next steps, mentoring kids, creating like workshops for filmmaking. Is that what you did after uh, grad school? Some of it, some of what I did. You went you back know, to the Bay Area. I went to the Bay, and um, I had a lot of nights where, you know, I couldn't sleep for whatever reason, dreaming of the next project. <laughs> this will cure it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that came out completely wrong. <laughs> No, it was, it wasn't, it was, it was that, that's when I had, that's usually when I do all my like researching is when I'm like up and crazy and manic and, and, um, I needed to hear a voice that could talk about, um, the things I love, like comics, movies, you know, and, and, um, just a source of information and I, and Geekscape was, was there for me. (laughs) And it was, and nonetheless, it was run by you, you know, and, um, you're, you're, you, you and your co-hosts would just, um, like, I'm not gonna say put me to sleep. Every no, no, <laughs> it was comforting. It was it was, uncom- it was, it was a comfort for you. You comforting. felt like you were part of the family. Exactly. You predate the family. You were family before the family. True. Which is like you know normally you listen to your friend podcast and you're like right. oh like hey support my friend go you know but it wasn't like I it was, I had the initial two seconds oh go Jonathan but then after that I was just I was turned into a fan you know right. I needed That's the crazy yeah. and when you told me that at Comic Con I I was uh. I was so flattered because I am. Comp- I, your output is really, you know, um, I, 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 you know, going back to school. I always thought that that people viewed my sensibilities as being fairly studio or fairly LA, and and the, the admission is that I got into USC. I got into USC, which everybody thinks of as the Hollywood studio film school. It's the theater, yeah. Um, and uh, I had been waitlisted. So I was allowed to go to start at USC in January, but uh, spend my fall semester at Columbia. I fell in love with Columbia because I wanted the versatility of being able to uh, make a studio movie or make an independent movie like Greg Matola does or, um, you know, those kind of directors used to. Uh, I chose to not do anything. <laughs> I chose to talk to people on a podcast. No, but, uh, but, but does that make sense? Like in... And uh, and I and I thought that everybody kind of viewed me as the guy who was going to go do studio stuff. The careers I admire, though, are like careers like you. Like, um, like those are the ones that I love. Well, it's interesting. You know, you always had a, um, a fondness for small films. You know, along with all of your um, all all the things that you know, obviously, really Spider Man stuff. Yeah. Spider-Man. You know, but you always you always. I remember our discussions were always about. Like really heartwarming, you know, work. And you were also ahead of your time. Like you, you were the one like in school being like, "I'm going to go to LA when this is done." Like no questions. I know where I'm going. And um, even the podcast. I mean, now podcasts are everyone has a podcast. It's mm-hmm. the coolest thing. But you put that out right in the infancy of it. So, I mean, I felt like you know you had your sensibility, but you always had, um, or you had your take. You had you know your 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 bigger taste, what people thought of you. But you were always sort of. Um, a little bit ahead of, of people because everyone's coming to LA now, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like you, you, you situated yourself a lot earlier than people back then. You right. Know? Well, uh, again, flattered. Uh, but it's been cool to see you kind of figure out the, or, or navigate the landscape of really independent filmmaking. And um, so, talk, I mean, talk to me. Like, how did you get that first movie up? You know, well, because I think we have a lot of filmmakers like yourself, like who listen to the show. And that first step, arguably the hardest step? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the best, the best steps were the, the first, like, failures. The first productions I put up that just 
fell apart. Well, well what were they? Because like, we only saw Punching in the Sun. Right. You know, before I went to film school, I did a couple shorts. Um, and I remember shooting this one, my second short, called Big Brother. I shot in my parents' house and flew in all my friends to, to help me. And, you flew them in? I mean, they flew in. Oh, I don't right. know flew them in. But they flew in and, and, and uh, f- drove in, whatever, whatever the, however they could get there. You know? But right. the big thing I didn't understand at that point as a filmmaker was just basic like, scheduling, how to make a schedule that makes sense, how to make that kind of days. We would just sort of shoot what we were feeling and then not really understand what parts were remaining and what order we should shoot things in. And it got to the point where like, things would sort of fall apart. And I remember just being so low and so down, having so much like, hope for this film, but then feeling like, so spanked. And I remember feeling like, I never, ever want to feel that again. I never want to go there again. I need to put some form to this stuff. Because like, you clearly had something burning in you that had to get out. You had no form. Yeah, and, like, and, and planning. You know, people think right. guerrilla indie filmmaking, guerrilla filmmaking means that you're just running gun and shooting willy-nilly, but it actually means you have to plan like a guerrilla. You have to train like twice as hard because you have less resources. Right. And that, that was the message. That was the thing that really, I think, when I moved on and started making bigger films or made like Punching at the Sun, you know, um, I organized that. We shot for 17 days, but I organized that thing for three months prior because I just never, ever wanted to feel that way. I never wanted to be so on my ass again as a filmmaker. And um, so I, I think experiencing like some like something brutal like that early is actually um, helps helps you kind of focus. Yeah, focus. You know. Yeah, and so wh- where did it come from? What's it about? Where did it come from? Uh, filmmaking in general? No, punching the sun. Oh, pun- yeah. So yeah. punching us. That was you know that was a crazy time because we started film school two weeks before nine eleven. I you remember. Know? It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, we walked into the. <laughs> walked in you know and, and um just you know things had changed a lot for me um because of 9-11 that or one event yeah, yeah that, that one remember event. i mean i remember that morning in lewis cole's class very clearly the late lewis cole who yeah. i love lewis cole yeah lewis is um nice. but i remember walking in and we're like what do we do now because we just experienced 9-11 the day before and uh we're supposed to go back to school like this all felt pretty trivial yeah, like we and we had all these hopes and ambitions, and like especially for me, like I'd always been making sort of cross-cultural work stuff that sort of puts South Asians in the forefront, or trying to create narratives around South Asians, you know. And we had like rising momentum. We had a lot of energy in like '98, '99. Like things like Fusion were becoming big. Breakbeats, Talvin Singh was was another hit. And then you you kind of felt like I, in my head at least, I was like, oh, this is going to be the moment I can break out and tell Asian my story. Yeah, like Indian Indian American, South Asian American filmmaking, right. you know. And, and it was, yeah, because it wasn't just like the Hong Kong thing. It wasn't no. just like John Woo and, and, uh, and, and I mean, Crouching Tiger came out a few years before, it came out like a year before our film school. So people were starting to look at Asia and India for that stuff. Bollywood was starting to get its attention too. A little bit, yeah. But, you know, I, I just felt like even the diasporic South uh-huh. Asian culture, you know, things that are coming out of the UK, like Talvin Singh, um, Asian mm-hmm. Dub Foundation, these kind of fusion projects were starting to kind of gain ground and actually have a lot of artistic integrity to them you know mm-hmm. um, and I think I thought I just felt like oh even just narratively I felt like my story of being here in this country was there was, it was, there was a moment where it could have happened you know were you born um, in this country? I was born here yeah. yeah but were your parents? my parents were from India and so what was that like growing up? because you said here in this country and I was like wait was were you not born in this country? I get it but, but no no you can, you can feel that way Especially now when we've got neo-Nazis marching around. Like, you can feel yeah, that way. Yeah. You know, if you're anything but white and blonde, I can totally understand you feeling like this may not be your country because people are trying to 
to make it theirs. Well, well, this part of it, but you know, also I think before I got into film school, I was uh, I was producing a TV show in New Delhi for a couple of years. Uh-huh. So I, I, I had early on had a kind of global picture of the film game, you know. And so when I say this country, I think it's it's less about my connection to it because I definitely feel like an American, you know. Right. But I think it's just more about how I talk about the global market because. I always consider what's happening in India, how Indian films are doing in America, and see myself in that media just as much. So I'm always kind of like, I guess I said it. In no, that no, but, that, but that, that, that understands how you gravitate towards where the fusion movement's happening because you are the fusion movement. Exactly. Because you spend time in both markets, and you in in that that makes sense to me now. How that how the how that whole movement is your thing. Um, have you stayed true to it? Like, tell, talk to me. Well, about, yeah, well, so back to nine eleven. You know, it's okay. like it, 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 you know, I felt like there was a little bit of moment ninety eight, ninety nine. You know, to, it just felt like things were cresting just within our like subculture. Right. You know, and then nine eleven just knocked everything back. Obviously, there was just like new xenophobia, new hatred, new racism, new laws. I mean, even in film school, like our class was something like sixty percent from international international students. You yeah. know, and the year after that, it was like. The, the admission policy changed. You know, they had to um, adhere to like all these new things that were being instituted. I had and never even. I don't yeah. know if you noticed, but it was like, very no, different. I noticed it. That, that class is pretty honky. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't know that it was an actual written shift. And um, no, I mean Bush and Cheney fucked a lot of shit. It, it up. was crazy, you know, the things we talk about today. I mean, we've already, and, you know, and and that's when you know, I started. It was funny because I, I, my my roommate Z Ziad Al Husseini at the time was from Kuwait, and and we had just met like a week prior, and I remember knocking on his door at nine eleven and being like, "Yo, I just saw the fucking tower go down. Come out here," and we watched the second tower go down. And guess you know what we both do the moment after? It's like unconscious. We were just in the bathroom. We were both shaving, without even what? without even like we looked up at each other. We're like, "Whoa, why are we shaving?" And then it just was like a reflex. Yeah, it was like a, like that's how much like survival instinct or just whatever was programmed in me, like in him, both of us, like boom, there's no question. We just started shaving, and um, that was that. So that's that set it off, you know. And then um, I won't get into like <laughs> what was said to me. Um, Wait, like, but people said shit to you. Of course, of course. yeah. I, mean, I think every every person the, I know who lived through that and is Middle Eastern or Indian or I just had fucking people say shit to them. For sure. And I mean, even in class, you know, I had teachers say I had a, a teacher say some things that was like to- totally inappropriate, you know. But um, th- that was you know, but when I when I started really getting to the community, even after and, you shaved. Yeah, <laughs> I think that made it more shady or something. <laughs> the only thing I noticed when you shaved was you looked ten years younger. I was they were like, like this, they're like, like he's this? hiding something. I was like, what's Doogie Howser doing in our class? This guy looks twelve. <laughs> but it was, you know, I think it. But you know, it, it, I wasn't the victim though. You know, like the the more I started working in the community, I started going out to this organization in Queens called SIA, South Asian mm-hmm. Youth Action, and they're they are the only nonprofit organization in New York that serves South Asian teens. Um, from, you know, kids have come in from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and they provide all kinds of services to these kids. And that was a community in, in Elmhurst and in Jackson Heights where a lot of people's parents are being detained and deported in, mm-hmm. in real time. You know? So I started sort of getting involved and volunteering and working on um, filmmaking workshops, and I started filming their basketball league. They have a basketball league. That happened every Saturday. I, I still have all the tapes. I'm about to 
transcribed them for Mo Muhammad Mursi OU basketball tapes. How long ago but was that? I mean, but that was is, while you were at this school. This is like 2003, 2004 right. while I'm at okay. school. Yeah, and I'd already moved to LA. Uh, yeah. I was, no, no, it I, was I, even I 2002. 2002. It was, it okay. was, it was after 9/11. You know, okay. all this was after 9/11. Um, and and but I just and then I moved there to that neighborhood. Um, I was in Elmhurst for for a couple of years, and um, it was uh, I think in that time I'd started writing this script in Lewis Cole's class uh-huh. of all places. You know, and he was the one who was like Lewis was crazy. He was just like Tanuj. He pulled me into his office. He's like Tanuj. Have you written anything before? <laughs> you know, after reading my pages, and I was like, "Yeah, man, I write all the time." And he's like, "You have a fear of rewriting," you know. And he just laid into me about this this fear of rewriting because you I, weren't making the changes. I just, I just didn't even think of rewriting as part of the process back then. You know, I just, I was like one take wonder. I was like, "That's I wrote the entire script. process." Yeah, but like now you look back and re- you realize re- rewriting is the entire process. I don't even start writing until the third draft. You right. Know what I mean now, but like back then, you know. And and I remember Lewis saying that to me, and and not, I didn't get like I didn't get offended. I was just kind of like, what does he mean by like right. writing is rewriting? But I I started the script like forty pages in his class, and I got to the point where I was like, you know, I, I need to finish this thing. I finished it, wrote it again, wrote it again, and that was punching in the sun. That was punching in the sun. And then I had a friend come out and help me do a couple more drafts of it. And you wrote that because, I mean, because what's it about? Because I, I think that it maybe came out of those experiences in Elmhurst, like the, with, with the youth and your direct, in, you know, involvement with them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what's it about? Well, it's about a boy whose older brother gets murdered in a hate crime in the, in the opening scene. And he's dealing with um, just the loss of his, his brother, who was a hero and a legend in the town. He was like the best basketball player to ever come through the neighborhood. And it's sort of a story about how he's... Um, mourning this loss and the complexity of their relationship with like growing up in the shadow of a hero that you lose you know mm-hmm. and it's sort of about his own redemption and yet it's also about his relationship with his best friends in the neighborhood and his inability to get out of his own way and his, his own anger and hate and he's also processing like the messages he's getting from society too all around him so it's 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 set in like the specter of nine eleven for sure, but it's actually just a story about a boy coming to terms with 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 loss, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I cast it with all kids from the community, all kids that I'd like kind of mentored or worked with, or you know, friends of friends. Like we just sort of started building this little troop together. Start and, and it really centered around Mishu Khan, who was just the kid, you know. From the moment I met him, I'm like, this, you're the kid, you're the guy, you know. And he was open to it, and it just turns out that he was a gifted natural sort of actor and reactor, you know? In, but, but he had no intention of being an actor before you came up to him. No. No. He was just kid. You were kind of being like a tutor for or being like a, a Yeah, but he would play two. basketball in the gym yeah. and I'd be shooting the games and I'd see him I'd see his face and I'd be like, oh, what's up? You know, we'd say what's up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, the first kind of idea of the script was, was set in California where I was from and, and, and more about um, like, a, like a, based on these kids that I, were mentor- I was mentoring in the West Coast. But then it, the same kind of stories happen in both communities. So right. I, I was, I just transposed. And you were there. Yeah. Um, so they're all non-actors in that movie. The whole movie's non-actors, yeah. And um, we... Holy crap. Yeah. We sh- and so we go out there with, with um, this rewritten script that we'd gotten to Tribeca All Access with the script, but nothing really... We got a little momentum, but it gave us enough confidence to go out and actually say, hey, we have something here. 
but it was hard to get people to just kind of back us or get behind us. Why do you think that is? Because you hear about movies that go through some, something like Tribeca Access or Sundance Labs and, the, and this and that. Um, I just put a script through Lab, and it, it they do get attention, but why wouldn't anybody want to go in? Well, I tell you, you know, back then it was the first year of the Tribeca Lab. Oh, it was. Yeah, so oh. it was. People it, didn't know anything was going to come it, out. They of didn't know it was. It was so early, um, and. Uh, um, we did actually, you know, MTV at one point was, was really serious about working with us. But it's also has to do with my youth. Like, I was very young. I didn't understand how the industry worked. Uh, it wasn't like I was Raptor in L.A. or like, you know, mm-hmm. things are different here. I was, in, I was just in film school. And my mentality was ride or die. Like, I made everything <laughs> I made to that date, you know. And, and I did an, an 8 to 12 project, Butterfly, which was made from Afia's script. I remember. They'd done really well, you know. And I felt like I had momentum as a filmmaker. I knew what I was doing. That was doing. beautiful. It wasn't 12 minutes long. <laughs> you will forever be the knock on me. <laughs> Geese gave us, we, uh, after our first year of school or so, we had to do an 8 to 12 project, which had to be between 8 and 12 minutes long, where we adopted, uh, where we adapted one of our peers' scripts. And Afi, like, what an amazing writer. And she's gone on to make amazing... Like, she made that movie that yeah. made, like, went to Toronto. I got to see this movie. And she's a Pakistani filmmaker. Um, and you got her script, which is super lucky. And I just remember watching the screening and having this very beautiful movie and being like, yo, 12 minutes came and went, bruh. <laughs> like, that movie was, like, 30 minutes long. I, I'm kidding. I wasn't good at listening. I'm I wasn't kidding. good at listening. You know, I didn't... I didn't. How long was that movie? It was like twenty minutes. It was long. It was, <laughs> it's abusive. It was a long movie. It but it was a good one. It did. It did well for me in the world. You know, it went to like thirty festivals. It won a lot of best films. Best film. Yeah, you know, that's and, not your thesis. That's not your non-thesis. That was your eight to twelve. Like that was just like your first year little. I, w- I was like ready. Sketch. You know, I was really ready at that mm-hmm. point, and it was hard to hold it in. And um, meanwhile, I've got like can- I don't know where the lens cap is. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that, that's your host, Geekscapist. <laughs> like nickel and diming me for this lost lens cap. <laughs> I had maybe ER. made. I had maybe made movies for like shorts and stuff for a year before going to school. <laughs> Okay. Which is yeah. crazy. I, I was on the college radio, and that's why you hear me now, Geekscapists. This is an extension yeah. of that. Um, I, you know what? And so you're doing that. And I always felt like um, with film school, while I was there, you were you were an extension outside. Like you were always one foot in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like you were present, but you always had other things going on outside of it. And, I, and, I, and looking back, I do think that's true for a lot of us. Um, but, but you honestly, like you were working on productions that weren't our productions. You were working on homework that wasn't our homework. You know what I mean? You were just working on stuff that wasn't yours. And, and I think a lot of that does have to do with your, your experience going into film school. You had a bigger picture. That's part of it. And then, um, I think, you know, 9-11 was like, again, like that, it just, it 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 fragmented my brain. You know, I was really Mm -hmm. kind of scared and I was, um, I was sort of staying to myself more, and um, I think uh, I was working a lot in the. I had like a bunch of jobs too. Like I was tutoring math, and I was working the equipment room, and I was also um, projecting for Richard Pena messing up his class regularly. <laughs> but it's funny you say that because I look back and um, I I don't necessarily regret, but I do kind of wish I'd spent maybe I put more of my other foot into school um, uh, because and, of the community. Yeah, like the, well, it, fuck it, we, you're here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked for an hour before Geekscape. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and you're going to move out of downtown and move closer to us. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Even still, it feels like now living in downtown, there's this isolation 
that yeah. that that might just be you know that but that might be part of your process you might need to shut out that noise yeah that's interesting. you know because you can be social all you want and then you come home and you, you aren't doing anything um and that's one thing that i've heard about really you know successful storytellers uh successful anything is like they're the people who leave the party at 10 o'clock you know what I mean? That, that's, that's totally understandable it's, it's been and more of my style commendable. Yeah. Like, that's how you get it done. You leave the party at 9. You leave the party at 10. I was out with uh, Keith Scapus. You know Zach Haddad if you've been listening to the show. Uh, I was out with Zach last night at karaoke, and 10 o'clock rolls around, and I turned to everybody. I was like, and we're out. You know, we're done. Yeah. We've got stuff to do. I've got a Saturday in front of me, and when I leave here, I'm going to go right. Yeah. Like, I look forward to Friday nights now and Saturday nights. Those are my nights I, I get it done, you know, mm-hmm. and... Um, it's so funny you picked up. On, it's very you're very intuitive. That's because when I'm I just I, remember when it was happening because you would tell me a story. You know, you'd be like, "Hey, I was on this shoot and this happened," and and I'd be like, "Wow, where are all these shoots?" Because I right. I played GTA three. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but when I picked even this place downtown, like I I was like I I'm picking this because I don't know anybody around me here, so I'm I can be in my space. I can work. I can be isolated in a way. That's but you do. Conducive. You knew us. What are you afraid of? Oh, you knew, knew. I mean, you knew us. You know what I mean? Like, and in, 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 I mean, downtown. This, this, this oh, place. oh, you came here because, to not know anybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand you know that. I mean? Yeah, you wanted to protect your process. You wanted to be like, hey, like, in a way, you're still doing that attitude that you gave MTV <laughs> of like ride or die, where it's like, I'm going to do this by myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you editing this new film. Do you, can you say the name of it? Like, what is the new film? It's called Staycation. It's called Staycation, and I'm sitting here watching this couple on screen, and I'm like, wait, you shot it on, you know, by yourself, or you had a sound guy, you had some crew, but for the most part, this looks like very much a very, you know, aggressive budget movie, and I'm like, shit, I need my craft service. <laughs> but, but, but I admire it, you know what I mean? And you're protecting that pro. You're protecting the process that I see as a film. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, a lot of that also has to do with um, you know creating the opportunities that we want to create for the people in our community because the people, the actors I work with, generally are you know Asian Americans, South Asian Americans, POCs, and generally you're not getting mainstream projects that showcase their full range of abilities. Mm-hmm. You're not getting mainstream projects where their experiences are even centered as part of the story. It's always like the sidekick, or it's even like. You know, um, it's just it's just a narrative that's not theirs. You know, so if I want to reclaim that narrative, if I want to take hold of that narrative, if I want to tell that story, I have to make sacrifices for um, the conditions I can shoot in while I'm building that. But but yeah. I'm, I'm also in the process, you know, making a movement, and there these projects will get bigger and bigger. You mm-hmm. know, as time goes forward, you can't stop it. And again, it goes back to what our country's experiencing now is like. White nationalism isn't going to win because you can't go back to it. We're, we love having sex with each other too much. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, dude, I saw, a, I saw a comment on Reddit about a beautiful woman. And it was like, I would have liked her more if she was Spanish and exotic. And I'm like, that's a white dude talking about a woman of color. And... White nationalism is going to lose exactly because of that. And this is Reddit, like one of the hotbeds of that whole movement of trolling and white nationalism. And I'm like, there you go, white boy. You got your taste and you're going to get it. And white nationalism is going to lose because you're horny for people that are different. Um, I had something much smarter to talk about. Um, Did you see that Ed Scrang, that actor, I, I totally butchered his name, I believe, the actor from 
Deadpool who played the villain. Sure. He got cast as Sergeant as uh, General Damio from BPRD, who was in he, you know when they're rebooting Hellboy, he had that role, and there was an outcry because John Arcudi and Mike Mignola wrote that role as a Japanese American. And I, if you guys aren't reading BPRD or haven't read, uh, I, I John Arcudi is one of my favorite writers. And it goes back to personal experience where when I started on the radio in Philly, I couldn't get anybody on the show uh, as a guest and because my show was on either really late at night or very early in the morning. And I reached out to Wizard Magazine for comic book creators who lived in Philly. And John Arcudi was the only person who responded and came on my show as a guest. Um, I no longer have that tape or I would run it here because it's a very, very adolescent geekscape. Um, but he created this character as Japanese-American. There was an outcry of whitewashing. And Ed Screen put out a statement and said, Hey, you know what? It's come to my attention. This, this is not a white character. I'm not taking him. And to his credit, that, that was fucking huge. That's a great move. Then I see the ja- <laughs> like a website. And I don't, wanna, I, don't know if it, I don't know what the website was. Um, but they were like, Here are six Asian actors who can replace him. And they're the same six Asian actors who we've seen in everything. Mm. And I'm like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's dig a little deeper than just looking on the DVD box that that you've seen. like Or seeing the the same Asian actors you got. What you're doing is an independent level. You're giving people opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that's exactly how I like to cast. You know, I like to look at who is hungry to tell their story. Who's got talent and isn't being seen. You know, who... Are they not doing the work to go discover? Because these are all actors that are in our community. Like mm-hmm. they're actors. I've been playing at the um, Los Angeles Asian American Film Festival for since 1999. I've been playing films there. And, and you've been making a point to have a movie in that festival every. Yeah, they, they've officially crowned me the most screened artist at that festival. Because <laughs> I, I first discovered that I first discovered that festival when Marie Chamora had her movie in. Have yeah, you, have you yeah. seen her movie? I haven't seen it, but I know her. Yeah, I've got. She gave, she it got seems me, like it's going everywhere. She got me a DVD or Blu-ray, and I call her the most talented person I know. Yeah, because Marie is just this little powder keg of power, and um, she's just amazing, and she's just energy, and she's always like, "You need to be shooting shorts, and you need to be doing this," and she's always up my ass about doing more. And I admit, Marie, I do, um, but she's just this Filipino powder keg, and I remember going to that festival and really enjoying it. And her movie's fantastic. I, I, we, I, I've got it if you'd like to see it. Um, it's a good festival. It's an awesome festival, and it's and it's um, it's gained prominence in the last five years. It's considered one of the you know top twenty five coolest festivals that made that list this year. Um, they gave me a huge grant, you know, for my for GNT. Um, they gave me a hundred thousand dollar film grant, which is like holy. I know, right? Crap. You know, like you talk about these grants in like San Francisco Film Society and Tribeca, like. Yeah, those you know, I've never heard of a grant that big coming. No, because there's like five thousand. You know, I, I, there's five thousand. There's fifteen. There's maybe twenty five, and maybe you get some Kodak film. Or, but holy crap, a hundred thousand! Yeah, it's a, and people, you know, people need to know this festival is is legit. It's real, and it's I consider them family. Um, but beyond that, the kind of actors and talent that circle it that are always around over the years, that, and it changes. But there's like stalwarts there, and. Um, they're, there's, they're, they're very, very um, just tremendously talented people. Yeah. But that was going to be my next question. My next yeah. question to you was, that's, that's the double-edged sword, is that you are making these movies with 
with talent that has not been seen, has not been proven financially, how do you pay for these things? You right. know what I mean? And are you creating a... I mean, and that's what I love about... Uh, it's hard for me to call him my favorite filmmaker if I'm grasping at his name right now. Uh, Austin Bourne. And Linklater. Linklater. And I mean, that's the thing about Linklater. Like, you always used to say, back in the day, you would always say that. So it's not like, yeah, this, it's is, not this new. is a true fact. <laughs> back this in is, film school, just, I would say Linklater just, was my favorite. Linklater based is based on the name, based still on where we are my right favorite. now. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's what I always admire about Linklater yeah. was he's like, I'm going to try something weird experiment like Boyhood. Right. I'm going to try some weird experiment like, you know, the, the, the At Midnight series uh, or before and after series. And I'm going to try these weird experiments like the animated movies he did. Uh, and then I'm going to turn around and do School of Rock. I'm going to go turn around and do these commercial movies. Um, how do you get with with, with like, do you, are you getting called upon? Are you getting the attention to maybe get some shots at those bigger tier actors or bigger tier films? Because that's the danger. Is like you make a ton of opportunities, and it's you. St- Stay at that level because the financials are so brutal in this industry. If you if you don't have Captain America running around in spandex, how's your movie going to make money? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's and it's changed a lot too. But I think actually we're in a time where your currency has to do more with your you know your authenticity and your artistic credibility. And you know I I've got some offers actually to do a few bigger movies. And yeah, but is that a is that a film off? Is it, does that authenticity cater to film or does it cater to this new era of? of premium cable where you're starting to see things like insecure in these so you know what I mean does that make exactly, sense like yeah, I yeah. almost feel like that's becoming where exactly. this is so, it, so part of my decision making process is trying to keep making projects with a lot of integrity because that is ultimately will be the kind of show I want to make or that's mm-hmm. the kind of creative I want to be known as so um, when the time is right to be recognized for the opportunity for an opportunity that I can control where I, where I can actually be the author of the story because I've built my audience or I've built a quality, a signature, or like a brand of storytelling that deserves its larger, pla- larger platform, you know, that's going to be um, sort of what I'm, that, that's, that's what I want to sort of keep intact, you know. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, you know, just jumping at a bigger picture because it's a chance to like quote unquote step up or be at a bigger budget, like it's a fickle as as hard as you know as hard as it is to be anybody unless you're directing Captain America it's also difficult to be somebody who makes like an okay film or just like yeah. something that's kind of like hey it's flat it's okay so that is a because trap that's yeah. a trap it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a big trap you can know? derail Cause, you because we're all in a rush to get this thing or, or be validated or we're something. only two movies away from a Star Wars film <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what I mean like you they're know? giving these things and, to people and, who've um, only made one or two movies and beyond that like I mean, I get inspired when I see things like Insecure, 100%. You know, that thing went from a web series to, like, the funniest show on TV right now, you know. And mm-hmm. then um, I look at Barry Jenkins and I look at Moonlight and I look at, um, you know, when you're, when you're in control of your craft and you have a strong message and you're coming from a place that's authentic or you have a story to tell um, and, you can, and you know what you're doing as a filmmaker, you actually have a lot of power, you know. You have a lot of power to, 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 get, to get a message out, to get your movie made to, to tell the story you want in, in a way that you want to tell it. And I think it's only when we start taking in, I mean, that's how we were in film school. That's mm-hmm. how we were, used to think back in the day. You know, it's only when we start thinking in these large, like collaborative, like industry structures, do we start kind of diluting or, or just 
get away from those it. original yeah. visions, you know? Yeah, and it tugs it tugs at you until it's fallen apart, until you're you are diluted, until it's washed away. Yeah, and it, and it will tug in different directions. You'll chase the actor, or you'll chase the money, or you'll chase the trend. Like how, like I don't like I remember meeting with managers and agents who. Uh, when I was making those two projects for Fox, I had managers and agents who would talk to me, and I ended up not getting anybody because everybody was like, "You should." Everybody's telling me what I should be doing, and um, and everything that I should have been doing was the thing that made money at the box office that weekend. And I was like, "Oh, so you want me to work on this thing for a year, so that when it's ready to be sold, that trend is already dead?" Right. It, it like, already that's fucking did what it was crazy. Supposed to do. Yeah. And it wasn't, and I didn't really start getting traction again until I started writing Add a Necessity again, which is scary as shit because you're fucking so vulnerable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, here it is. And you're splaying yourself out, trying to not show everybody your dirty laundry. But I've got, you know, the scripts that people care about now that I'm writing are some are dirty laundry scripts. Yeah, but you know, also, I think like what an independent movie is today is totally different because. It's 2017, you know, and mm-hmm. it's closer to like a word processor or like a, your own little sort of writing document or piece of prose that uh, with one author and very few people, like the collaborations come down so much that, you know, you can tell these dirty laundry stories and not, and, and turn them over quickly. You because know, you of can, the pro, because the technology and the yeah, well, small with, crew size. That, you know, uh, like. You're you're in my my space. Like there's a there's a system that's running three or four films right here on this on this on this machine, and that's just me alone. You know, so right. it wasn't like that always. Uh, kind of when, when we were learning about how to make films, and I think um, um, I, like the sm- smaller ideas lend themselves to to smaller production process. You know, when you, so so you you ended up shooting this movie over seventeen days. You shot in the neighborhood that it took place. Yeah. And then you cut it up. You told MTV, no. <laughs> I, I know how those things what? fall apart. I know you didn't tell them no. It just, I know how those things fall apart. You, you, you project a level of disinterest, or you project. You just, fall, you just chase something else. That's all it is. It's like you end up chasing something else. And we like, just made the film. Like we just yeah, made the film. exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and the, I mean, the funny thing about MTV too is that you know, not to just put people on blast, but like you know, we we even showed them the film after we were done. Um, with the edit and they were like oh this is really cool but we're not really sure if we want, what we can do with it da, da, da. They flew, I was in LA you know was, went to the my first time at a studio just playing it in their screening room and like you know I, so before Sundance before Sundance yeah. obviously yeah and then yeah. we got into Sundance and all of a sudden it's like like I could have very easily at that point been like oh this is shit we didn't make anything and I didn't make the film like trying to go to well, Sundance only based like on that. their disinterest like because MTV was like we don't know what to do with something like this it's a moment where you can lose a little bit of your own value. You can forget about your value, you know? right? Because you're projecting their corporate needs on your personal stake. That's right. That's you know? dangerous. Well, but, you're young. But, you took yeah. first film. You don't know. Yeah. Anything, you know, and, and you're still figuring out what it means to be like a working or a, you know working artist. And and um, and but it's also funny. You know, M- MTV Films doesn't exist today. No. And I'm still here making films. So you hear that? <laughs> that's, for, that's for you filmmakers out there. <laughs> Stick with it. <laughs> that is crazy. And Nickelodeon Films around that time put out one of my favorite movies of all time, Nacho Libre, and they never got a sequel. <laughs> I was like, damn it. 
I did my part. I saw that movie three times in theaters. You bastards. That was his follow up too, right? To the, yeah, to that was Hess's follow up. And then after that, I was like, oh, <laughs> this Napoleon guy may not be the the next coming. I still believe in Jared Hess. I still I still am a fan of his. Well, work. he's actually coming out in this film called Tiger Hunter, produced yeah. by my friend and Danny Pudi's in it. Mega Kadaki is, and that's Jared's movie. It. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. That that trailer is really good. Yeah, I've seen it. But it feels like it's taken out of his comfort zone of weirdness, and he's telling a fairly, he's telling a nice movie. Like he's telling because like, some of it takes place. It takes place like the seventies. Yeah, so and, it's, it's I, and I just love. Yeah, the it feels like angle. he's doing more than people saying weird shit to camera, which I do love. I do he was love good it. in it. He really killed it. He he was. Uh, uh, he no no. I'm talking about Jared Hess's. I feel like Jared Hess got out of his comfort zone a little bit oh. of, like, of like saying like, "Eat your food, Tina." You know, like the because he did that through like Gentleman Broncos and da da da. And this movie feels mature. Not that those movies weren't, but it just no, feels I'm, like a different flavor yeah. for Jared. Yeah, I'm talking about him too. In yeah. there, yeah, yeah. But it's cool. I saw that trailer and it looks good. It's yeah, really yeah. good. It's it's cool. And a lot of the South Asian actors are in that. Um, Danny Pudi, obviously, um, Parvesh, Gina. Mm-hmm. Who's a hilarious, one of my favorite actors, really funny guy. And um, um, Rizwan Manji's in it, and uh, another actor I love, Karthik Srinivasan. I mean, I know, like, they're all in there, you know, and. Um, uh, these are guys who used to hang out at the festival these, these as well? Are, these are people in LA. They're great. They're, they're, they're great South Asian talents. And what, what's cool about Tiger Hunter is it's, it's a place where a lot, of, a lot of these actors have come together and been able to, you know, contribute to the film. I. Um Heard Kamal Nanjiani talking on Kamal on uh, Mark Marin about what well, I think is I mean definitely it's probably gonna end up in my top five. It may be my favorite movie of the year, The Big Sick. And there's a, those sequences. Did you see The Big Sick? It's okay. There's these sequences where he's you know his mom wants to arrange marriages for him, and they have these different women showing up for these dinners. And he was talking about the casting process and just how mind-blowing it was to have that much unknown talent that he that they're auditioning because these women are fucking hilarious and they're killing it. I mean there's some of the, I mean some of the funniest sequences of the movie are these awkward arranged dates or dinners where these women come out and they t- they they talk about why, you know, they would make a good wife, which <laughs> I mean it's hilarious and in hearing him talk on Mark Marin about like just doing that casting process and having his mind blown by just the level of talent of the comedians was amazing. Um, I also think it makes your palette more more interesting. I was like, congrats, you made a more interesting movie because it was more representative. Um, so you put the movie in Sundance. The movie comes out. Uh, you got? Did you get distribution at Sundance or? Oh, we didn't get it at Sundance, unfortunately. But we we oh, we eventually signed. And then what happens? Like the movie, like. Well, it's a tough. I mean, that was like a crazy time. You know, we got into Sundance. We got into Tribeca. Um, we got into a lot of Asian American festivals. And you think like, oh well, I'm here. I'm here. It, to this Sundance. is it. Like it's all gonna roll out in front of me. You know. Um, but I think, you know. There's like mistakes were made on a lot of sides. You know, I think I think. Um, there's a few things I could have done a lot better in that moment that would have positioned at least myself better for a career, much less uh, for a different kind of career. Mm-hmm. But I think um, also it's a, it was it, it's a reality of of of, of the game. Like um, we were very small and I was very very young, you know. And um, it's it's 
it's the, for every Sundance success story that you hear that's like sort of in, you know, marketed and, and trumpeted, there's a lot of filmmakers who kind of finish the festival and they're, they're, they sit there like, what's next? Right. We don't know. We're starting from zero again, right. you know? And I had, to, I mean, I needed time to keep growing and developing myself. Like I had to not just develop as an artist, but also grow up as a person in, in a lot of ways. And, um, and spent, you know, I'd been away in, in India and then New York for so many years and I kind of, you know, I missed my family. I wanted to be around you know the people that I grew up around. Um, did it? I mean, did it more. feel like you, like getting hit in the face when maybe you had this big Sundance experience, you have the big Tribeca experience, you have the, the, the that year of festival, and then the industry is like, eh, come back and show us something new." <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're just like, "Fuck off!" Like, well, the industry, the like industry, what else you want me to do? Looked different too. Like it was it was it was 2006, right? There were, right. Like, like Twitter wasn't what it was. YouTube wasn't what it was. You can't, Facebook wasn't yeah, what it was. You can't foster you know, this community. You can't. Yeah, you can't really. Unless you, you can't go find here. your people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, your people were right here, Tanush. <laughs> your people were right here. <laughs> I hear you. You know, and 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 um, I think it's even having a stronger understanding of like what I needed to put together as a team, even to, to and what next opportunities were out there. Like I, I, th- I think here's the thing: is you DIY it all the way to that outcome. You kind of think, well, I'll just do it again. You know, if I have to, I'll just. I've never, no one's helped me get here in the first place, so let mm-hmm. me just do it again, you know? And I think, um, yes, it was a long time ago. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. It, um, it was beautiful, it was great, and there was a lot of things that sucked too at the same time. Yeah. Right, so you go back to the Bay Area and you re, you reconnect. And, and, you look, and you look today, you know, it was just, this, um, just to finish up yeah. my thought, is that, you know, it, you look at a film today like, like Gook. Justin uh-huh. Chan's film, uh-huh. uh, which in a lot of ways reminded me of Punching at the Sun a lot. Like it's a it's a it's a super indie effort that he made about um, a side of his community that people don't always get to see. Set in the riots, um, uh, Korean black riots of like '93 with um, um, after Rodney King verdict, and um, it's just very lyrical and beautiful. And, and and Justin does Justin takes it to another level, like you know, in, his, in the tradition of Lahaine and Killer Sheep and all these great mm-hmm. movies, um, and and. Um, you know he's. It's amazing to see what Gook's doing because his first weekend it was out. It beat out everyone else on a per screen average. Right. You know, and he's able to sort of get the Asian American community behind it, and and it's so going to second and third weekend. Like who knows? Like this 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 film might even have a chance to be nominated for an Oscar with the way things are like opening up for people, and um, so it it, it is kind of cool to see a film come from the margins and and find consensus and find coalition in today's world mm-hmm. whereas that was much less available for our project at that right. time right and uh, you, you did list some movies I mean I love Lahaine I yeah. thought that movie is amazing and Vincent Cassell is so fucking awesome in that movie uh, I remember as a geek watching that movie and being like I want him to play Quicksilver <laughs> you know what I mean because Quicksilver is such a dick you know the Quicksilver in the Marvel comics, and like this guy should play Quicksilver because he he's it. just got that attitude. And Lahaine is such a like he's such a I mean that character is. And then you know he did Brotherhood of the Wolf, which was the next time I saw him. And then he ended up in one of the he ended up in one of the Oceans movies. Like yeah, I mean he, he's in Black 13 Swan or something. too. And he's yeah, he, Geekscape is. If you've seen Black Swan, he's the theater director in, in Black Swan. He was an Irreversible too. Caspar mm-hmm. knows crazy film. He's an awesome um, actor. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd heard a lot about Gook, and uh, a couple of my friends had seen it, and it's incredible. It's like, it's incredible just seeing people just like go complete 
Italian neorealism style yeah. and be like, you know what? I'm not going to wait for the excuse of actors. I'm not going to wait for the excuse of money. I'm not going to wait for the excuse of anything. I'm just going to rock. And I'll be straight up. Like, that shit scares the yeah, fuck and out of he, me. He is, and, you know, he followed up. Like, he, he had a film, Justin had a film at Sundance, even, like, I think two years prior. Um, and, and, you know, instead of just, like, waiting and waiting for another film to be made, like, he learned from that first festival experience. And he... And he and he, he made it happen for yeah. himself the next time around, and and, it's, and he made it in black and white. And he has one one the, the little girl in his film is is a, is, a, is a girl he discovered in a nonprofit program in mm-hmm. in, in L A. And then he has Joe Co or uh, Joe So in it, who's a, a this YouTube comedian, hilarious performance in this movie. Like he's mixing so many different um, types of actors in it as well. And that's what it's about. Like he has his own vision. He's he's not waiting for other people to give him permission. He's not thinking about what kind of reaction this film is going to have vis-a-vis all these kind of studio data about his films of the same right. like pedigree. He's just he sees what the film is supposed to be, and um, he's taking the risk. And that's he's being rewarded for that now. You know, and I, and I, that's where I'm at in my head as a film. I guess that's that's, that's the kind of place I want to stay. So you go to. You go to the Bay Area. Yeah. You sleep in your own old room. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my mama's house. You come down, but you but then you come down to LA and mm. and you're still. I mean, you made that. You're making shorts for the festival. Well, there, what do you do? There, there was a you know I, there was I came home from the Bay and like punching kind of. It was great too because it put it put me on the map in, in certain places and, you know mm-hmm. and I got to do. Um, ITVS, a future states film. So I got mm-hmm. my first chance to make a sci-fi project. Um, I shot another like a 35 millimeter short in New York called Clap Clap with Sun Kang and Tulota Mashom, which is like a pairing of this Korean star from Fast and the Furious with you know Indian art actors from Monson Wedding, which I thought was so cool in my head at the time. Like this is like before the worlds were even that small. But um, I, and then I just I started my own company. I, I created Chops Films, which became sort of a commercial and industrial filmmaking platform. You know, and I started making things like real estate videos and projects for internet companies you got to survive and yeah you know and i got i got a 5d i was scared to buy my first 5d i remember like being like fuck the price tag is crazy and then within the first six months i'd already like, paid for it paid for it much much more you know right um and i and it taught me how to shoot it taught me how to lens it taught me how to sort of as indie as i was as as diy as i was i got even more diy in that mm-hmm. time and started making more money because of it and um, that's when I got um, this opportunity to submit a script to the Visual Communications Film Festival. They had a, a grant, a film grant. And I submitted um, an idea for T, a proposal for T, which is a buddy comedy about the last two guys in Silicon Valley who have nothing to do with technology. <laughs> but because they're of color and everybody expects them to be programmers right. and things like that. And um, they had a big search process and, and out of projects they selected mine to be written and um we wrote the script and then they greenlit it you know Uh and so that's the thing that really brought me to kind of come to LA Mm -hmm. and um kind of finish keep working on the project here it was a good it was a good grant for it it was a good reason too you got the grant for it so you at least had a hundred grand for it and then you you started putting that movie together um how long did it take you to shoot that thing um it was still the same. It was like short shoot. It was still like seventeen day shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the time I got the grant till writing till shooting, like it was a couple of years. You know, right? It, t- it took time to put together. And um, you know, while we were waiting for things to turn, I asked you, and I went out and shot another feature 
just low budget style, like like. And that's what grass is. That's what grass is. And because you got these actresses, yeah. and you're like, you want to do something? Let's do something. You want to do? Something? Did you shoot that on your five D? Yeah. And you're like, let's. Do, I got a five D. Yeah. I, 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 I want to hang like, out with I'm you like, guys. I'm, I'm here in L.A. Like. Pia, I know you're good. Emily, I know you're good. Like, they didn't know each other. But you met them through the festival or you met them through... Just around just the way. Like, just around, like, <laughs> right. Pia, Pia was in a film I did called Clap Clap, or called uh, Pia, uh, for the future for Future States. It was part of season one of Future States. And so there, they got the, who had the script? Uh, there was no script. So here's the... Here's, what is wrong with you? That's crazy. That so thing we went scares in, the so shit So we went in, we, we, did, we, we created circumstances. You know, okay. there's two characters. We came up with backstories for the characters, Jinky and Cam. Like, Cam is the PhD student who's like very... Um, you know, kind of stressed to finish out her thesis, yeah. but is also has a drug dealer ass boyfriend who's asking her to deliver a backpack full of weed for him because you know he needs it done and he's busy and blah. And there's blah, a lot blah. of heat on him. Yeah, right. Well, we, yeah, nobody's yeah. gonna suspect her. And right. and she's having this existential crisis because she feels like a drug mule, you know. And then <laughs> she is a dr- in that situation. She, but she's but she, she's but, she, but she's like a PhD student and wants to get married to this guy. But and, and then she's processing all this with her best friend Jinky, who's works in a convenience store, like never left town, never went to college, just has been a straight stoner since mm-hmm. high school. And, um, she, but she's been Cam's loyal best friend uh, all these years. So that's all we started with. We started with just these two characters in a scenario. Mm-hmm. And then um, they're both so uh, gifted on the improv. Or, or we didn't even know what we were doing. Right. You know, we just like, we're just like, let's try things. Let's try things. I would shoot. Yeah, I would what's shoot. the first thing you shoot? Because that sounds crazy. To we me. go to a park and we shoot. This is crazy. Looking back, it is crazy. Because you're not even thinking like, oh, it's going to be a web series. You're thinking this is going to be a movie and this is how we start it. So, yeah. so you, heard, you learn nothing from Lewis Cole. Lewis, Lewis, Lewis is turning in his grave right now, hearing <laughs> because, about this shit. This isn't just not rewriting. This isn't writing at all. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but this is what I'm saying. Like, right. The tools have changed. Right. I can actually shoot it myself and write it in real time. And mm-hmm. kind of, like, I slim down the process to a point where I go from thought to action really quickly. Right. So instead of writing it on a piece of paper, I'm writing it with actors in front yeah, of say me. This, and with, say this. Try this. And so I would get... I, and, and, this new thing I shot too, it's also unscripted, but it's a different style. But this old one, what I did is I would shoot, I would shoot a single, I would get a rant, I would just throw out a topic and I would get take after take after take on the topic. Almost Spike Lee, they're saying it to you. Like, you know how Spike Lee had those... But it's not directly to me. Like, oh, it, so it's not like, I'd actually okay. have the, the actors sort of framed across from each other. So okay, so you're like, shooting almost a wide. It's like a shot, reverse shot. Like, no, like I'm a, shooting, it's like, it's like, I'm shooting one close-up first. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so it's, shoot, so it's not in the PS camera. close-up first. Sure, and, and she's I, shooting. He's she's she's, she's staring talking, like a little over your shoulder. Yeah, she's talking to perfect Emily, who's the prompt. She's like right there, so okay. she's able to react with her. And um, I mean, really, I wish I'd, I wish I had two cameras to do this. But what I would do is I would get take after take after take, and then I would remember the things that I really liked in one take, and then I would turn the camera around and ha- and be like, okay, respond to this, respond to this, respond to this, respond to the things that I liked. Um, in the reverse, and then in the edit, we would go cut in and cut the things that, that worked. So f the wides, f the fifty fifties, f all that stuff. Like there, were, that, uh, there were like moments where they were ne- where they found the rhythm and they found flow, and they, you, you, could, sure. you could get great moments in twos, you know. Right. And then I would go around and shoot, and so we would, you know, s- something would happen, and then we would go to the next scene. I would set it up, and I would just keep making turns and turns and turns in the story as we as we went forward. And um, I would shoot a bunch of B roll as well, so I had. Um, cutaways and then yeah. I had and a lot of transitions and, was, yeah. and then I would shoot them doing some voiceover stuff too so anytime I needed like a lyrical aside I could just break into voiceover and, 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 and cutaways and I would have like texture of the film and um, 
were broken up into chapter markers too, so there was also like that gave me the liberty to make make, make leaps in the story, you know, um, which I couldn't always film in real time. And um, the thing is, what you get out of that process are these amazing live, present, natural performances, and they have writing credits on it too. Like, mm-hmm. that, like P and Emily wrote that film. Yeah, they wrote the whole damn thing for you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All you it's did a, was edit their performances. And boy, no, and the, and the real filmmaker in a lot of ways was my editor, mm-hmm. uh, Rachel Tejada, who got an editing award for this film. Um, because she's, you know, I, I, I put up the rough cut of that film and it was 13 hours. It was, 13, oh, wait, it was no, a 13 hour rough cut. No. And I handed it to no, her and I was like, no. help. No, it's freaking, it's your 8 to 12 I'm all crazy. over again. It's I'm your crazy. 8 to 12 all over again. <laughs> You've learned nothing. <laughs> You're rude. She it's, didn't murder you? No, well, she, it was helpful because then she didn't have to go through as. She didn't have to go as deep. She just had to condense, right? Yeah, so she could be like, "Hey, that's whack." She could easily see like what's not working, what's not working. So she started pulling things so out. So she is writing it. I mean, that's that's kind of yeah. like, yeah, because it's it's the four you guys is just going off of instinct and yeah, that's and, crazy. and when you see it, but you're wait, you're serious that it was thirteen hours. It was thirteen hour rough cut. <laughs> it was a thirteen hour rough cut, and I watched all thirteen hours once, like not in a row. Like I had in like <laughs> hell no, uh, but it's like know, more, it's, it's like, a tough it's a tough watch. But you don't do that for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> It was rough, <laughs> but the thing is, when you watch the film, you like it's cut so smoothly together that you have this disorienting feeling. How long of, is it now? It's like sixty something minutes. Oh my god! Yeah. You turned it into Dumbo. Yeah, it's short. It's a novella. Oh my god! It's a novella. It's, <laughs> like, it's like seventy minute film, and uh, it's it's when you watch it, you're like, it, it, you you having that debate like, was it scripted or was it not? Mm-hmm. Because it's so. It like all the shots. It's not like verite footage. I'm not running around like sure. shaky camera. It's, it's very composed. Everything looks super intentional. And even the way they talk and their lines. Every time they say something, it's it's they're they're sort of they're really in flow. You know, um, they're 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 speaking with conviction. They've owned their characters completely because I've given them complete authority to, to take control of what they want to say. You know, so it feels. The words feel authentic, they feel like native to them, and they feel distinct. And when you cut it together without all the little ums and ends and don'ts that can kind of interfere right. with that, it feels like... Polish movie. It feels like I wrote, yeah, it feels like a written thing, you know? That's crazy. But it's also about the power of improv. I learned about the power of improv. And the beautiful thing about this process is when you do something like this where it's unscripted, you don't have all the answers. You don't know what the actors are going to do. You don't know even what your next shot is half the yeah. time. Because you know, the story is getting it, grown, it, yeah. We even, we even met people in the park that ended up cycling into the movie and we had these great like, live interactions with like, random people we met, you know? And they seamlessly fit into the picture. And the thing is, what you, what you gain from that is tremendous amount of confidence. Because mm-hmm. think of how much easier it is when you go back into like, a big set or a, big move, or, you know, a bigger project or where you actually have all this stuff, where it's already been scripted, it's already been written. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it gets you in touch with, with these instincts and um, and it it it, 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 it well, on one hand it, it makes you excited about live performance or you just sort of see what actors need to get into their best kind of voices you know it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's so much of that film is about creating the space for that to happen and you can use that tool when you go out to a bigger set you know but I think it just so filmmaking is such a culture of control freakism you know like mm-hmm. you just want to control every part of production you want to control the script you want to control the, every little period and punctuation mark on anything even as a director you're trying to like get the thing that's in your head so distinctly but when you go through a process like this you kind of learn how to conjure and you learn how to allow and you mm-hmm. learn how to like embrace a certain not just naturalism but embrace what is happening in front of you and not just what your designs are on right. the page 
that sounds harrowing. I think it's like, <laughs> what? That's just, I mean, that's, it just sounds like edgy, you're like white knuckling a movie together. But I hear exactly what you're saying, and I definitely see how, like, yeah, no, that also, what an incredibly insane experiment that, like, works. Uh, Geekscape is, it's available now. Like, you guys can, you guys can, uh, what purchase the movie on what iTunes? iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime, Steam, PlayStation. Um, both of my films are out on, on all and those the, networks. That one is called Grass. Grass, and so it's like it's, to, like, a, it's like, like to do a little puff puff. A female version of Harold and Kumar. A female art version of Harold and Kumar, which is a version of uh, of uh, of our boys, the um, Corsican brothers. Remember, uh, I was just, what was it, it, um, Cheech and Chong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was talking to somebody about Born in East L.A. the other day, <laughs> because at the Geekscape booth, we, like, I, I had this Born in East L.A. shirt that somebody at Universal gave me, and it was like an original production shirt or something, but it was all ratty and old, and I was like, I'm going to give this to somebody, and it, it, somehow it ended up in our box, our Loot Crate box at Comic-Con, and somebody saw it and was like, how has nobody taken this yet? I was like, it is yours. And it was a Born in East L.A. shirt. And I guess a lot of people, especially at a place like Comic-Con, didn't know about Born in East L.A., which was the rift-creating movie between Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong because it was a Cheech Marin vehicle after years of doing Cheech and Chong. But Geekscape is, if you have not seen Born in East L.A., you will prepare to laugh. That is a really damn good movie. Also topical right now because it is about deportation. (laughs) 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 But... um, Okay, so, so so while you're making this super indie movie where you guys are just kind of camera, sound, actors, right? That's right. Like mumblecore. In a way, yeah. Like, not even mum, like Yes, mumblecore. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could say it's mumblecore, but mumblecore sits in wides for so much right. that it's like, to me, mumblecore is you have to sit in a two-shot or, or 50-50 for so long, and this seems like you're sitting in... Like you're crafting a mumblecore movie, like a narrative, like a, like a like a traditional budget narrative with like it's almost like how Rodriguez did El Mariachi, where he was putting his zooms in close-ups in the you know what I mean? Like he was in a way, but cutting even, while he I was shooting, even just energetically though too. Like we're we're creating a West Coast um, comedic female-driven um, response track to mumblecore, mm-hmm. and, and and it's like must, mumblecore is so like rooted in like. I feel like we're in like these like Brooklynese um, misan- misanthropic kind of like tales of like nothingness. Like we're I actually creating. Like, I always thought it was like the Duplass brothers coming out of Austin and doing that stuff. Yeah, I mean it's, yeah. It, it has it, it, it has that it has that kind of like just roll with it, roll with it kind yeah. of energy. But I think what we were trying to create is like this 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 vibrancy about around mm-hmm. around mumblecore. So it's 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 I had never even called it that, that in, you know in real time, but it is like this kind of um, it, it's. It's, insta- it's it's trying to use the method of mumblecore to create. I feel like um, like functional cinema. It's you know? the same because you're shooting them in halves. Mumblecore is right. That's why it sits in two shots for so long. Is you're they're they're improving together at the same time. Yeah. You're not giving it the real time. You're giving you're cutting it up, which right. is. That's crazy. Right. My, my editor, she was very clear, like, don't do this again without a second camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel if you butterfly the, the cameras, if you butterfly the cameras and point out, you, you could actually... But there's something about, through. like, just folk, like knowing what you want out of one lens and then being able to flip that around and, and, re- and actively direct the next 
performance to respond to that. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little more. It's co- the, the, the it style of really film cool. demands that. Actually, I would love to do that as a short film <laughs> because that sounds insane. Um, well, the also the thing about it was we shot outside in the park during like a very hot summer. Like we, it was also like right. the conditions were stupid too. Um, we had a pass out. Well, you know, you survived this long. What doesn't kill you? Um, and so, so tell me about TNT because that's because uh, uh, that. TNT because that sounds like it had a, a like a bigger production around it, and you you'd written that with one of the actors or you wrote it. Well, so, so TNT is a, yeah, is a more formal project, right? right? It had like a full script that got rewritten. Also of available times. on all those platforms yeah. right now. And TNT uh, came out of a collaboration between me and my friend Chi Malabar, a very talented rapper who you actually know. You played basketball with him when he first moved to. LA. I absolutely used to play yeah. with him on that west at the West Side YMCA. I love that guy. Yeah, is he doing well? He's doing. He's in New York now. Yeah, he's doing great. He's a. He's 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 a very amazing rapper. I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. I loved playing basketball with that guy. Yeah, I hated how handsome he was. <laughs> I remember yeah. being in a Target geekscapist and seeing his face on an ad for like you know when you go into Target and you see like those really handsome people wearing Target clothes and all the Target ads and like the coupons and stuff that you get. I punched it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I didn't punch it. <laughs> I love playing basketball with that guy. No, he well, he's the co-writer of the film, you know, uh-huh. and we, we, you know, one of the, you know, after one of the good things about Punching at the Sun was I got a chance to meet him at one of my screenings, and we became very, very good friends, you know, um, since that, and we spoke every day and kind of had this dialogue going between us around, you know, his career as a rapper and my career as a filmmaker and the topics that we were interested in in talking about and what was important to us about, you know, politics and the community and. Um, out of that dialogue came an idea to make a script that's sort of around two characters that were like us, you mm-hmm. know, Chi and T. And um, you didn't want to act. Well, one thought early on was like, "Oh, maybe we should just do it," you know. But then after we got the grant, <laughs> I shot this thing in a park, and it was really. <laughs> I know, right? The, and the next extension of it is not shooting improv and separation, but then now actually being in it. <laughs> Weird. Like that's where I draw the line. That'd right? be super psychotic. <laughs> That really makes like, me uncom- <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Damn, Jonathan, call me out pretty hard actually at that one. <laughs> no, so you so you've got this. That's true. I have I have I have more guts to do some crazy park unscripted film than I do to go in front of the camera. But um, we we uh, we we we, we had once we got the grant, um, then we got into busy mode, really rewriting, and, and we, then we felt like okay, well, we have money coming into it, and we're going to get some investment as well. Let's. Let's try and make a movie and provide opportunities for people who have been, you know, acting, who who mm-hmm. have been who have been honing their craft, who who really should get an opportunity in something like this, and they'll probably elevate the content too, you know, to bring more um, more people in. I mean, um, it still would be fun to do it. Like looking back, I'm like, oh, well, it would be really fun actually to jump. Through. Why didn't we, you know? But um, the kind of things that real actors bring to the project and the community we could, we created around it was worth it, you know. You know what I'm realizing just now? Different guy. Because Chi is the rapper. There was a guy I used to play basketball with in Culver City who was a model. That's the guy in Target that I oh, Okay, I was, gonna, I was gonna say I don't remember no. Chi being in a Target ad, but then I didn't want to like. She could have been the. She could have been a model because the dude is good looking, yeah. and I can see how he's a lead in your movie. But uh, different guy than the Target model, eh. who I did punch. No, I didn't punch him. 
Yeah, he's not the same. He's not the same guy. But you know who else he used to play with in that Culver City? Joel Murray, Bill Murray's brother. Oh shit! And somebody who's like, oh, he's old and da da da. Joel Murray will fucking freeze your ass up. Joel Murray, I, like whenever he'd guard you, I fucking hated him. The guy I've seen him take elbows to the face. Like Joel Murray is a tough son of a bitch, mm. and you think of him as being like fifty, and he's one of those dudes who like just knows how to play. You know what I mean? Like, he just knows how to play, and his team always stays on because he knows how to play. And you're like, how the hell are we not being this guy? Oh, it's because he can shoot, and he will just get in your face, and we all hate him. Yes. But we love him. We, we love playing with him. But, yeah, that was that league. Yeah. So I just had to clear that up. Geeks gave us. Not all Indians look the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's up, I was going to say something, and I was like, yeah. you know what? Let's just uh, let, maybe he wasn't a target ad. I don't know. No. Uh, so, so... Um. So what? So this movie came about. You guys shot it in seventeen days. That's like your thing. Yeah, we shot this one in seventeen days again. The rough exactly. cut was what nineteen hours. Thing. The rough cut was shorter on this one. Messing with um, you, of course. It was scripted and disciplined on the scripted. page. This was scripted. On it had the page. an arc. It had you know. For, it had all the Lewis Cole shit in it. Um, third acts. <laughs> you know, we had a second act, third act. All, all, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Is this something you didn't have in Punching the Sun? No, we had Punching yeah. the Sun had it all too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think. Doing Grass was great though because it's, it is a comedy still. And it can and, still be a movie. A movie. And, and well, also yeah. like what, what I learned from Grass was to how much like rope you need to give actors to get right. funny moments and like how much funny stuff is like you can plant funny stuff and then you can also see what they give you. And I had so many funny actors in Chi and T that you know it would like someone like Asif Ali who plays my uncle in Chi and T like he would nail the line as scripted every single time, hit his marks, hit his hit the comedy as it was written. But then it was always like at the end it's like well. Let's do some alts. Like, let's do some buttons. These are for you. Like, mm-hmm. what would what would you say? You know, at the end of these takes, and he just, you know, we kept getting um, variations of things. So when the edit, I could always kind of swap out something that might even be funnier or might yeah. work better. Gives and you more energy. Grass is a film that. Uh, well, and and also my web series, Nice Girls Crew, mm-hmm. which um, was another comedic, like sort of more scripted but improv and scripted kind of piece, and. Um, and when you're just working in this kind of comedic space, I think that you know you have to learn how to be how to be loose and tight at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? I had a um, a filmmaker on recently, my friend Jeff, and he had that movie uh, Folk Hero and Funny Guy, and it had like Kurt Russell's, it had Alex Karpovsky from Girls, and so on, and like just the amount of like rehearsal. That is a movie that I felt soared because their performances because they had a ton of rehearsal and then they're all funny people and on the day they were able to get alts that were really really awesome and then the edit is like the edit is just you have all these riches you know because I I, I mean no offense to everybody involved in one of my earlier projects but I remember sitting with the editor and for a couple scenes I remember sitting there and the editor being like we're kind of stuck picking the least bad (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? and, and that's like not a good place to be and I remember that's what led me to go into stand up in like 07, 08, 09 was because I needed to meet comedians and I never wanted to be in a situation where I was sitting with an editor picking between least bad right. on a funny scene I was like this is miserable yeah. you know and Geekscapus you've never heard of it again well it's, it's also <laughs> one of those things too where it's like you know you even a, com- a comedian you have to let go you have to let them do their thing on a, on, a, on a narrative shoot but even actors you want to give them this space to also um, 
they're going to give you something hilarious too if you give them the space. You know, mm-hmm. the, the thing about a 17-day shoot or like a small, like you have to know, whereas grass, the whole thing is like improv and funny and crazy. To make it work over a real schedule, you have to be pretty clear about where your spots are, who can really do it, when you have time for it, and, um, and, and when it's not necessary too. Because mm-hmm. when you start creating this culture of alts on set... Yeah, it things can go really. Yeah. The grip starts being a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the, grip the grip's is, got some alts too. Yeah, it's like oh god, no. Do you know what? Just just push the dolly. Yeah, so you do have to be strategic about it too to also get the rest of your if you're if you're super scripted to get the rest of your form. Right, but um, yeah, I mean it's all. What's the movie about? Because these guys are going to download it right now. Right, so TNT is about um, these two debt collectors in Silicon Valley who work for a landlord and his landlords, this landlord, his um, nephew is coming into town and he is having an engagement party that night. So he's tasked his debt collectors, his, his two, you know, his two guys, Chi and T, he's tasked them to get Mayank into um, a suit, a new shoot, uh, a new shoes and a new haircut for his engagement party. Mm-hmm. And when Mayank shows up, he's just this, a mess. He's, he's Tasmanian devil. He's, yeah, he's a monster. And they're just just keeping him like kind of on track is hard enough. So they, it's it's a bit of like weekend at Bernie's meets do the right thing or something. It's just like it's it's just a saw set in a single day, and it's all about get this get it's like get him to the Greek kind of story. Right. And, um, yeah, they all undergo like comedic hijinks ensue, mm-hmm. and then they're also uh, you know catharsis. Right. Um, Geekscape is that stuff is all available right now on iTunes. You've got if you guys are on an Xbox or a PlayStation, you can download it there. Um, the two movies are Grass and Chi and T. Um, dude, Tanoosh. Yeah. And they're both distributed by Comedy Dynamics. I want to shout That's out cool. my distributor. That is awesome. And now you're working... This one looks like a love story. This movie that we have up here on the computer now. It's a comedic love story. It is a comedic love story. That is awesome. It's kind of like a porno. We'll see. Oh, I think the Geekscapists want to download that one. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, we're going to come back on the show when you talk about that one. For sure. Um, this was way too long. And you know what? I'm not just talking about Geekscape, but I'm just talking about catching up with you. I, I found myself uh, in the last month uh, thinking about you and being like, I got to go downtown and hang out with Tanoosh. And sure, there's like, this is inexcusable that we live in the same city and we haven't hung out. Um, and then when I saw the posting that you had two movies out this month, I was like, excuses are gone. Hanging out with the dude. And I love having you on the show. Well, man, it's also like, it's been a dream to be on this show. Cause it's a show that actually got me through a lot in my time. And, um, this is like, I'm so proud of you for making this, this space. <laughs> Thank you. And, and, um, and like this, this is, I know you do more than just this show, uh-huh. but you have to really respect and give props to what you've created in this space because it's awesome I love, I love being here in Geekscape we couldn't do it without you uh, the sellout segue would be I couldn't do it with our sponsor either Loot Crate uh, if you guys go to lootcrate.com uh, slash Geekscape use the promo code Geekscape to get discount on all of your uh, crates whatever you guys order if you want to see us opening crates be our friends on Facebook. Go to the Facebook Geekscape page and you'll see me doing crate openings. This last one with Zach Haddad. Got a little bit out of control when we... Uh, well, you're just going to have to watch it. Go to Geekscape. Uh, search for Geekscape on Facebook and you'll find the, the page. You'll also find the Facebook uh, group that we created, Geekscape Forever. And that is your group. That is for the community. That is for you guys to go on there and talk to each other uh, and reconnect. In the same. And there's been a lot of reconnecting because we've been around for 11 years. But... 
that's for you guys to uh, to talk. And there's been a bit of a Toronto like surgence on that page. A lot of the the Toronto geekscapists are giving us some superiority complexes, and I'm not down with it. Uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get to the bottom of that. Good old Americans. Uh, I'm just being silly, but that is for you guys. There's also a new Facebook. Uh, there's also a new Instagram that I created for the community at Geekscape. It's really for the writers because uh, it's geek, it's Instagram.com/slash/GeekscapeForever. And right now, if you guys go on that Instagram and start following it, you'll see some photos from PAX West. I've got Shane and Courtney and Taylor. Tyler? Tyler. I've got Shane and Courtney and Tyler at PAX West right now. They're going to be putting up articles. They're putting up Geekscape Games episodes. And they're going to be putting up a lot of pictures from PAX West. So if you guys want some video games in your life, go and check out that Instagram account and check out Geekscape Games. Uh, we're also on Twitter and all that. Tanuj, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I'm at Chops Films, uh, at Chops Films on Twitter. That's the thing, cool. and at Chops Films on Instagram. Those are my, my spaces. Cool. And do you have a website where you put some of this stuff Yeah, Chops, ChopsFilms.com has all my work. It has uh, all the science fiction films I've done, the web series I've done, links to get to G&T and Grass and Punching at the Sun, and some industrial stuff I've done, too. Um, lots of years of work up there, Chops Films, or on Vimeo. Um, I also have a lot of my work up on Vimeo, too. Cool. Dude, thanks for coming on the show. Jonathan, thanks, man. <laughs> We'll hear from you guys next week. We just gave each other five right there. You can't see that. Couldn't see it, (laughs) but you were a part of it. Bye, guys.